welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Hello, and welcome to this month's edition of Side Alpha Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, David Polikoff. I'm pleased to have uh, a guest uh, with me on the phone, uh, Bobby Eckert. Uh, Bobby, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, how you doing? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Bobby Eckert. I'm a flyer captain in the city of Camden, New Jersey. Um, I also own and operate Eckert Fire Tactics, LLC, which is a private fire training company. And uh, getting ready to start my 16th year in the city of Camden. Been in the fire service for second generation. I was a junior. And I got in around 96, late 96, early 97 as a junior. And then, um, yeah, I've been here ever since. It's really all I know. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like talk about myself, but, uh, you know, I, other than the fire training company, um, married four kids. And yeah, that's it. I, I do have a bachelor's, uh, in public safety administration. I always forget to mention that. Right. <laughs> yeah. the, the, um, so, you know, in case, you know, anybody doesn't know, they can find you on Instagram and you're also on they Facebook. Can, yeah. Go ahead. I am. Yeah. Ecker underscore three, three, five on Instagram, Facebook's Ecker fire tactics, LLC. And yeah, that's it. Uh, you can find us type us in the Google. We pop up multiple. We got website. We got all kinds of stuff. Right. And, and for, for those who, who don't follow, I, I would uh, strongly suggest to follow. Um, he puts a lot of good content up, uh, a lot of good fire porn pictures, and then a little bit of explanation about it with a little bit of a training uh, lesson, a little bit of training tips. So I would uh, advise everybody out there that, uh, you know, if you're on Instagram or if you're on Facebook to give it a follow. Now, you also left out the fact that you did write a book. Um, that's when I first saw you, believe it or not. I knew you were, you were putting your book out there, and uh, I know a couple of people that uh, that actually picked the book up. Um, so talk a little bit about that and, and what prompted you to say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to write a book. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm kind of a – I would say like a, I'm an interesting person. I You know, my, my mind's always – into firefighting no matter what i'm doing it's just how how i've been since i've been a child so you know how with the internet of how it is in social media some information out there is good some information is not that's with everything in the world right and i just was kind of uh putting some information out there and it was actually i got i got injured at work and i wasn't able to be on my phone. I had a traumatic head injury. So I wasn't able to be my phone for a little bit. So I was like writing some stuff down, just trying to, you know, keep my sanity. And my wife who has a marketing background was like, you should, I was like, I was just posting on Instagram left and right. She's like, you should do it a day of the week and call it Tuesdays for tactics. So that's literally how it, that's literally how it came to be in, in, a, in, a, in a hospital room, Tuesdays are tactics. So I, I get a tactical tip that, you know, maybe I, thought of or maybe something happened recently at work and you know I have, I have kept a journal throughout my career my dad gave me a journal i got hired in the fire department i've written a lot of stuff down so i put some of the journal into the book and you know they're just quick it's a quick read i actually designed it for to be read in the bathroom put it in the bathroom and it's, it's a small book it's 52 tactical tips so it's tuesdays for tactics volume one uh, we do have volume two coming out <laughs> sadly covid has um has, you know, obviously ruined everything in the world, but, uh, you know, 
hopefully by the time this uh, this podcast drops, volume two will be on the street, and then I'm already working on volume three, and that's going to be done for uh, Tuesdays for Tactics, volume one, two, and three. So it'll be 52 tactical tips for a book, and then I'm on to doing something for building instruction, and then that'll probably be it. <laughs> no, you say for, that, but the, as, as instructors, we never stop. You know, you always kind of yeah. start to pick up something or you learn something or something happened and you start jotting it down on paper. I've got so many pieces of paper that are scattered throughout all notebooks and portfolios and stuff like that. And I just started actually digitizing it and putting it into folders on my MacBook. But uh, <clears throat> that's kind of where it started with uh, Capital Fire Training when we started to, you know, build programs um we already had a whole bunch of stuff already written down so we had to put them into powerpoint form and things like that so and that, you know our minds never stop you know when you're teaching you're always striving to find the next thing then how can i craft that into fit in my world sure sure yeah so, we'll see what happens uh, you know it, it, it's funny as your kids get older it gets harder so yeah <laughs> um, you know I'm, I'm always pulled in 20 different directions yeah you know with uh you know Kids are always going, you know, as they get older, they want to do more and more things and, and uh, your, your days off are, are important, you know, when, when you're not at work and, and uh, when you're home, you want to be home with the family. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the cool thing about being a fire service instructor. You know, I know you and I, when we talked offline, you taught for your, your uh, the academy in uh, New Jersey. I teach for our academy where I work. I also had taught for uh, the Maryland Fire Rescue Institute or MIFRI. Um, we, that's our, our standard guideline in, in the state of Maryland that we have to teach to. But there was so much more out there that, that go beyond the basics. Like, like you had told me earlier, you love teaching Fire One. That's where you're getting brand new people that uh, have very limited uh, knowledge of the fire service and you have a chance to actually give, introduce them to what the fire service is. And uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, you talk to teachers that uh, they said the, the best grade to teach is kindergarten because you're getting these kids in that have never been in school before. Well, not that I'm trying to compare <clears throat> fire one students to kindergarten kids, although that's kind of where our mentality is most of the time in the fire service is little kids, but we get to teach uh, the people that have never had the skills before. So talk a little bit about when, when you were teaching and, and how you started off the things that you liked about it. And then where you morphed into that, you know, you wanted to produce more that was maybe more offline from the Jersey state as to your private stuff that you do. You know, I think it, uh, you know, going through the fire academy when I was an 18 year old firefighter, I took every class when that, when that, when that, when that county academy thing dropped, I was on it, you know, that day, signed up for classes and just trying to take as many as I could to be better and, you know, better myself, better myself, better myself. And, you know, what everybody tells you to do and you get down there and you do, I have met some fire service instructors in my life that I owe a lot to for them to, you know, ha how they handled themselves. And, you know, it was something I was, wow, that's pretty cool. I, you know, I'd like to do that. And then when I decided to get my instructor, level one, you know, in the class, there's, you know, so, some places required to be an officer, some places required to be, you know, ride the right front seat, stuff like that. I was just getting it to get it. And it was one of the things where guys were saying like, you know, your skills be so much sharper if, if you're down there doing that stuff. So I'm like, wow, it's like a win-win. And I got down there and I, I really fell in love with it. I fell in love with the, the, the student uh, instructor experience, but on the same token you know I, there, there were some things that i was seeing that i wasn't thrilled about but you know i wasn't 
part of it or I was new, so I couldn't like affect change. I just, you know, worked my module I was assigned to and, you know, try to put it all into it. And then, you know, as I was there longer, try to develop some programs and, you know, the frustration of trying to develop some programs being told no. And I was like, you know, I'm just tired of being told no. And I know, I know if I, you know, really my mind to it, I could probably do it a better way. And that's basically what I did. I, I just, I was literally tired of being told no by everybody or you can't do it this way. And I'm just like, bro, I just did this at work the other night. I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, it, it's, it's, there's such, there's such a missing component in fire training. Number one, if you look at fire one, I don't know how it is in Maryland, but I'm sure it's probably very similar, but you know, you're dedicated, you're dedicating a whole weekend to hazmat when that's really interesting. And I'm not, you know, taking anything away from hazmat, but I can teach my kids how to read an ERG guidebook and, and, and use it properly. But, you know, you don't even teach firefighters how to pull a ceiling properly or, you know, take out a window. There's so much non-realistic fire training where the, you know, you need to evolve it into more realistic. So, you know, maybe when they're at their first fire, they're much more confident in doing what they're doing. That's just my, that's my thought process on that. There, there is such a way to create realism in a, in a, in a safe way. You just, got to really put your mind to it and and think about what you're doing. But at the same time, you know, it's how you're teaching, you know, you, you got to teach with the student, not at the student. And, you know, it should be all about building their confidence and, and refining their basic skills and, you know, making sure that, that, that they're going to be more efficient on the fire ground when they, when they get called to a working fire. That's my thought. Yeah. And, and it is similar, you know, here in Maryland, you know, we have a curriculum that we have to stick to, you know, we have the, the, the minimum standard <clears throat> that we have to stick to, um, one of the things that I found as you progress as an instructor, you know, when you first start off, you're like, oh, I'm teaching by the book and this lesson says it has to be three hours. So I'm going to do my best to make sure that this PowerPoint presentation is three hours. But as you start moving forward in, in your teaching career as an instructor, you recognize, like you said, you know, I'm supposed to do, you know, a four or five hour spot of hazmat. Well, I can probably sum that up in the fire one realm in an hour. You know, where I can, t- like you said, you can talk about the ERG and you're talking about how to read it and how to break it down and everything. So we started figuring out, well, you know what? We're going to teach them the curriculum. We'll give them the stuff they need. But with the time that we have left over, we're going to spend on the meat and potatoes or the bread and butter stuff that we do 90% of the time when we're rolling down the road. So, yeah, I'll teach you about how to use the emergency response guidebook and I'll teach you, you know, how to read placards and stuff like that. And I'll teach you, you know, all the stuff that has to go with that hazmat uh, lesson plan. But for the, other, the last two hours of the day, we're going to go out onto the training grounds and we're going to pull hose lines into buildings and we're going to uh, get our gear on you know, for time and we're going to uh, you know, flow water going down the hallway. We're going to do search and rescue and stuff like that. So we were able to add more of that bread and butter stuff into the training than they were supposed to get or the minimum they had to get. We gave them the maximum amount of that. Did you find yourself doing stuff like that as you move forward as, as an instructor as you got more time under your belt? Yeah, I mean, where I was at at the time, it, it was met with uh, some resistance, some of the stuff that I, you know, I was trying to do, and it, for me, it was time to just part ways and, uh, you know, where my family. I mean, right, right when I left teaching locally at the fire academy, I went through a divorce, so it was it was a perfect time for me to get out of there and you know get my life straightened out, and you know, in, in doing so, I kind of just shifted focus and maybe doing my own thing and. You know, like you said, putting stuff down on paper. I mean, I, I have notebooks full of ideas and information, and you know, I write a lot of things down. And 
me getting hurt morphed into me accidentally starting a training company. So, uh, you know, I just got out there a little bit before that, you know, doing some lecturing here and there. I jumped on some of the, some of the, you know, the smaller conferences I was getting out there and, uh, which I still love doing. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's all kind of flowed organically. It was a lot of it was accidental and, you know, here I am. So there's a, there's a couple of cool things. I mean, nobody wants to get hurt, but that was, that was your silver lining. That was your, you know, like you said, your, your, your wife said, well, you know what, you know, while you're laid up in bed, why don't you start putting stuff together? And, and, uh, you know, that's your silver lining. Plus knowing that the stuff that you're teaching, uh, for the state is the bare minimum. And you, like you said, you're constantly being told, well, no, you can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that. And that's your aha moment is when, well, you know what, I'll start my own company and yes, I can do that. I'll go out and teach that. And what's amazing is when you start getting traction, you know, you start off with the small venues. Everybody starts off with the small venues and they hear what you have to say and, and they, they come out and they start eating this stuff up. You know, it's like, wow, you know, I never thought about doing, you know, pulling a line that way or I never thought about, you know, using the irons that way. Um, you know, you're on to something because firefighters out there are starved for what's the next what's my next step in, in learning? You know, I've learned the fire one, I've learned the fire two. What's beyond that? Like you said, there's so many videos that are out there that people can look at some of it good, a lot of it terrible. Um, and that's kind of where it was, you know, when we, uh, and I joined up with RJ and, and his company, it was like, you know, we want to teach stuff that we think is important that nobody's teaching. Uh, and, and we move forward with that. So it sounds like you kind of were on the same path. Is that, is that kind of where you went where it's like, I'm tired yeah, of hearing yeah. no, and I'm I, doing my thing. Sure. I was tired of hearing no, you know, and you, you try to, I, I did try to, you know, hook up, link up with a couple other training companies and, you know, go, go the route myself. And, you know, again, I just, I guess I wasn't their flavor, which is fine. And I just, yeah, I, I, I really just, I wanted the fire, I wanted the training experience to be better for, you know, the participant or the student or the firefighter. And, you know, it's also that thing where, you know, I care about the fire service, maybe sometimes a little too much where, you know, you want to make it better. So how can you affect change, make it better? And I'm all about positivity too. I hate the negativity and the, the that goes with some of the, some of the uh, stuff that goes on out there and, you know, especially like shit talking about fire, like people, people put pictures up of fires they weren't at and they start talking about them. Like I can talk about the fire. You weren't there. So, you know, I, I just tried to try to give this right of positivity to, to anybody who comes and participates with anything we're doing. So, you know, we, we came up with this uh, taking to the streets, you know, live fire training weekend. It's, very, it's basically a rolling pop-up fire conference where we go to you um, you know, a, a burn building, class A burn building. We've even, we've even done a one day in a parking lot and built, built our props out there. And, you know, now that COVID's loosened up, we're going to increase the number of firefighters we have there. And, you know, you're going to, if a full weekend, you're going to get 16 or 17 skill stations and you're going to leave beat up and tired, and, but you're going to use saw, you're going to force doors, you know, you're going to fight fires, you're going to be on the nozzle, you're going to pull ceilings. We have a ceiling pulling prop, we put fire above it. So you got to go in, pull the ceiling, look for the fire. Um, can't can confidence, thermal injury, communication, everything. It, it's one, one of the things that crashed up about the fire service is you get a new firefighter and you have saws on your rigs. Like if there's a run or there's a fire, you know, you might need to use a saw, but you don't want to teach the young kids how to use the saws. I, I cannot tell you how many times these young kids that are 18, 19, 20 come to one of my programs and they go to the saw station and they've never even started a saw before. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It, and to me, that's one of the biggest problems with the fire service 
is why haven't they started to solve before they got there? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. We're I teach our juniors program at my at my volunteer house where I, in my in town where I live, and uh, one of the first things we obviously we're not allowed to let these kids use power tools, but uh, the first thing that we do when the weather breaks, you know, is we'll go out and I'll give an axe. And I'll, we have a big log, and I go out there and I show them how to use an axe. You'd be surprised how many teenagers have never picked up a hand tool and swung it. And, uh, you know, that's going to translate if they decide that one day, hey, you know what, I want to be in the fire service. And uh, the first time they pick up a, a, an axe or a sledgehammer or something is in fire school. To me, that's a disservice. When I was a kid, I was splitting wood. I mean, that's how we heated our house. So I knew how to swing a ball and, and everything else. And, and it's, to me, it's foreign that these kids have never picked up hand tools. Um, but I think it's great that that you know when you 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 get these these students together and and you beat them up you know not in a physical sense but in in the tire of the mouth so you know that's the success that's how we measure the success of our practical classes when the guys go away sore and tired we know that we've we've done you know we've done our job we've given them you know what they what they've met their expectations and uh, you know that's sure. what it's all about if people are going to pay decent money for you to come out and teach them then you need to give them the best product possible and, and I agree with you you want to make the fire service better than it was when you got there and and I too had many instructors that, that took me under their wing and, and captains and lieutenants and kind of showed me the ropes so it, it, to me it's almost uh, it's an it's it's a no-brainer of it it's my responsibility to give back to the fire service because it's given me so much so before I leave before I retire I want to make sure that I can pass on everything that I can and uh, unfortunately you know when you're stuck at a training academy you know for your department you have to teach to a certain amount but when you branch off on your own and you're like independent um, and you put together a core group of like-minded instructors, you're going to deliver a fantastic product. And not only that, you enjoy doing it every day. And it doesn't matter if you have a class of 50 to 100 people or you have eight. You're going to give them the same class regardless, and you're going to walk away knowing you gave them the best show possible or the best class possible. It is, uh, I'm sure that's how you approach your training as well. Sure. I mean, we I. We, we, we put it all into what we put it all out there. There's so much that goes into it. It's, it became a full-time job for me. I mean, I'm doing it every day of my day off all day, just trying to make sure that, you know, the experience is absolutely perfect for anybody who spends. Cause a lot of people, their fire departments don't send them the training. They're paying out of their pocket. My, my fire department where I work it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a press urban city. I mean, hope, you know, the, the fire department, they do, do try to, you know, send guys to classes, but, you know, sometimes you got to wait for a grant, you know, it's limited. Maybe you can't get in the class because there's only so many spots. So there are people that are paying out of their own pocket to, to, to go. They, they mailed me a check, personal check to my house. And every time I go to the bank, I'm like, man, this, this dude's hard earned money. Like I got to make sure, you know, he, he's getting the best out of it, you know? And I mean, these dudes are married, have kids, whatever. They're coming to, they're coming to better themselves and, and, and learn and they got an open mind. And I think it's, I think there's a lot to be said about the, you know, the fire service in general. You hear a lot of, hear a lot of negativity. I, I see a lot of positivity out there. I really do. It's just people aren't really looking hard for it. If you ask me. Yeah, and and that's you know part of you know it's funny when I started this the side alpha leadership. I started off with it was called uh, leadership snippets, and I would literally every day I'd write down like a sentence or two. In, in my uh, notebook when I was at work of just little sayings or things that came to my mind, things that would make you be better or think about something better. I ended up with like 10 notebooks just full of stuff. And that's when I decided, well, you know what? I want to try and take this, you know, to, to the next level. I, I feel that 
you know, the fire service has been really good to me, even through good times and bad. Um, I owe it to the people that are coming up underneath of me to give them the stuff that I have. And you're right. When you're out as an independent and somebody sends you a personal check, it's you have an obligation to give them the best class that they, they that their money has paid for, and uh, you know, for, for companies out there that that are subpar, you're you're stealing money from brother firefighters, and uh, you know, there's a lot of training companies out there. Some are good, some just not, and, and uh, you know, like you said, money's tight in all fire. It doesn't matter where you are, money is tight for training in all departments, and uh, you know, if you're putting on a class, you have an obligation to give you know, a hundred percent every single time you go out there to give them the best class possible. So again, you and I both know what the hard work is, you know, putting into this and, and writing a new, especially writing a new program, that's time away from the family. Um, you know, if you're busy at work, you can't do it at work. So you're doing it at home to deliver a good product. And, and uh, you know, my hat's off to you. I know you're a busy guy, um, that, uh, you're out there, you know, sweating away, trying to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to put the word out there. I know you were just out in, in, at a conference. I saw, you know, like I said, I saw your picture on Instagram with, with our president of our company, um, which I thought was pretty cool because it's like, Hey, I'm actually going to have that guy on my show tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really cool. And the best thing about it is a lot of these companies, and, and I'm sure you've, you've seen it. The arrogance is not there. The ego is in check. You, you know, you all are fellow instructors, and the way I look at it is there's so much room out there to deliver your package. You're not stepping on somebody else's toes. You know, when, when I teach command competency stuff uh, with, with our company, there's other companies out there that are teaching command stuff and chief stuff, but I don't take it personal. I mean, there is a message out there to give. Providing you're giving a good message, more power to you. If, have you run up against any, any negativity towards you because other instructors think you're taking, you know, business away from them, or has it been pretty cheery and rosy all the way around it's been a bloodbath. Uh, it's been a bloodbath locally for me. You know, I have people that won't even talk to me anymore and that's, that's fine. That's on them. Uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, we, we teach what we do, what we do. That's, you know, we'll, we'll, engine truck, you know, I stay, that's, that's my lane. I stay in it. I'll, I'll dip into some leadership stuff, but even then, and you know, that, that, that pushes me at like my max comfort level because uh, <laughs> that's me personally. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm just, I'm an engine company officer is what I do for a living. So, you know, I try to stay in that realm a bit. I don't really get deep in it, but you know, locally, sure. It, it's been rough. It's been met with some resistance and, um, uh, that's fine. You know, I, I, if, if you, if you're a hater on me, it, it fuels me like, like, like no other. So that, that's a shame that's, because, you know, we've taught, you know, it's so many different venues, you know, even, even, you know, when you go to, to FDIC or you go to Firehouse or, or Lancaster or whatever, you're teaching with a whole bunch of other people. And at the end of the day, we're out drinking beers with these guys and joking. And, and uh, we really haven't bumped up. And, you know, this is just personally, we haven't bumped up against people that just hate you because of what you're doing. I mean, to me, that, 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 that bothers me that you're running up against that kind of stuff. People should be like, man, he's giving a good message. And hey, you know what? We're doing a good message too. And hey, you know what? We're teaching engine company stuff and so is he. But you know what? There's enough to go around, especially just on the East Coast alone where firefighting was invented. There are fire departments literally everywhere on the east coast there's so much room to teach and i mean we've we've taught yeah we've taught with other companies where we've mixed together um you know we had a a company from uh, you know a a group of instructors from one company and we joined in with them it was like a blended 
team and we taught together. Uh, we did that down in Tennessee in Nashville. We taught with another group. We, we kind of met together and we all taught the taught a program together. RJ and I, RJ and I had, had this conversation yesterday or two, it was yesterday we were talking about it. So, you know, it's, it, it's kind of faded out, but you know, the, the first year there, year and a half, it, it was, it was interesting, but that's fine. Again, if you, if you want to hate on us and what we're doing, it, it just, gives me just pure fuel to, to stay up a little later and come up with a better idea or, uh, you know, make sure we're wired tight. But again, to do this, to the level of training that we do and try to put as much live fire, firefighters under live fire, you know, we, we do have the level of insurance for it. We do have the certifications for it. You know, some people have really got to be careful when you're messing around with live fire and you put a student or a young firefighter in there. who's not, you know, hasn't experienced that. You got to make sure you got, to, you know, safety lines, span control, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we definitely go the extra step to make sure that is all adhered to 100%. Yeah, and, and, and that's the one thing I noticed about your company is you do live fire. We don't. We don't do any live fire. We decided when we first started it, you know, even though we're all – you know, level two state certified instructors. Um, we just didn't want to take on the liability of, of a live fire. And that's fine. You know, we use smoke machines and stuff like that. Um, we can still get our point across. I think it's awesome that you guys can do the live fire and the canned confidency and stuff like that. And, you know, if anybody ever comes to us and say, hey, we really want to do live fire stuff, we're like, we don't do that. But you know what? Here's a company that does. And we'll refer them. We're not going to try and sit there and go, oh, you don't want to do Worth that. Anyway, man. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's, I, I have people come to me all the time for, you know, uh, bailout, harness, uh, water rescue, vehicle extrication. I don't do any of that stuff. So I, I, I'm always the first person to say, give these dudes a call. They'll take care of you. Tell them I sent you. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to me, it's like, it's funny when I was, when I, in my younger days, I was in a band and, uh, the hate in the, in the, the, um, the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area between musicians was just, it was it was awful. And uh, we strive to say, hey, you know what? They might not like us, but we're going to kill them with kindness. We got more shows. We got more press. And our band sucked. But we got more uh, good good vibes our way because we were good dudes. And and I look at the same way in the fire service is that, you know, if you're a good guy and you're putting out a good product and you're nice to people, you're going to get return business. Not only that, the people that work in other companies – they're going to come to you. When we did uh, two years ago, we went down to the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference and we hooked up with another dude from Florida who was doing some saws and stuff like that. And he asked us, hey, would you mind helping us out with the class? We got kind of a big class. You know, when you're done with your force one tree, can you come over and give us a hand? So we worked with him. You know, and it was like, we're brothers. You know, we're all firefighters. I don't care where you come from in the country. We're all here to do the same job. And uh, if we're instructors, we're all out there to give a good product and make sure that the firefighters are walking away, have better skills, confident, and that they're safe and doing what they're doing. And that's the overall goal. So there should, you know, the hate that, that, that these, that, that people talk about between companies and stuff like that, to me, it's just, you know, the, the arrogance, there's no room for it. There's no room for it in the firehouse. There's definitely no room for it on the training ground. Nah, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's the phone call I'll get from a fire chief who I, because I, I do a lot of local drill night classes too. I'll, you know, a fire company will probably contract us locally and, you know, we'll go out there and uh, we, we, first off, you know, we, we try to bundle programs with these guys to save them money. So, because we, I understand what training budgets are for these smaller places. So we do, we do have a bundle and save program and it gets us there, gives us a relationship with the department because we'll be there for like a month two months straight, you know, maybe, you know, three or four times that month. And the best phone call I've ever received was a fire chief called me 
and he just wanted to thank me, you know, middle, middle of the daytime. And they had an older senior member driving and two young guys, you know, on the rig house fire. Um, and you know, there was, there was somebody trapped and they were able to force through a door just from, you know, some of the stuff we were able to teach them uh, on a fourth run through drill night. And you know, they were able to get somebody out and hearing that that's, I'm cool. I mean, you can come hate on me all you want. My get stories like that. I'm, I'm smiling at your ear because that's, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, and you know, you're that's on the right, right path. You know, our biggest compliment in, with our company is repeat business. When you have a company calling you back saying, you know, Hey, you know, we really like your sure. company stuff. Can you come out and do a two day truck class with us? Absolutely. You know, Hey, we want you to do some incident command stuff. Can you come out and do some incident command stuff with that? You know, so the repeat business to us knows that we're, that, that lets us know that we're on the right track and we definitely have our egos in check. And the cool thing is, you know, with our company and I, I've, I've seen your profile, you've got a lot of firefighters and, and, and officers that work from around the area. We do the same thing. We have, we have uh, instructors from, up and down the east coast um so people get a variety you know we've got you know heavy urban departments instructors that work with us and we've got instructors that are from rural departments so you get this mixture of everything and it's not like uh, oh yeah we're going to teach you you know because we're all from new york we're going to do it the new york way you know we're going to talk about you know six-man ladder trucks and it's like why would i talk about a six-man ladder truck when at best these dudes are getting out with three so it does no good to teach them how to do six man ladder truck skills when the only thing they'll ever have is three on their ladder truck. So well, that's, I think it's I think it's important to to in any in any realm if you're going to be an instructor, especially if you're teaching a little bit beyond basic skills. And when I, I mean, when I say that, like you know, here's how you hook up to a hydro, here's not how you hook up to a hydro. If you get into a little more tactically inclined, you know, skill stations, knowing whoever knowing the audience's operational reality only makes you that much better because you're able to give them information to make it work for them. You know, it's like the, the end of the, the end of the day, firefighter one is the last weekend is the burns. And they always break the students up in, in the groups of like five, six, seven firefighters. And I'm like, who's going to a fire initially with seven firefighters? What company is that? You know, the, the, you're not, you're literally setting these kids up for failure when they leave fire one, because you're not putting them in their operational reality. It dry, and it drives me nuts. If they have to, if the only way they know how to pull an attack line or a cross layoff of fire engines with two people, we're we're failing. You know, that's a one person skill. If they have to have two people to throw a twenty four, we're failing. You know, so yeah, you, you're you actually right. everybody you, got, you got to know your audience. <laughs> you should teach every every firefighter should learn every skill and skill set that we have to be be able to do it single handedly solo. If somebody else is there, that's great. But you know, knowing how to do it solo because as you know the ever ever evolving fire ground that we operate on, you know, people can get pulled in 20 different directions for a multitude of reasons, but still certain tasks need to be done. So it's like, you know, train these kids to operate alone. You'd be that much better. Absolutely. So let's move into to to our next topic, and it all is going to revolve around training and everything. Let's let's talk a little bit. We we talked about consistency and and how as a captain on an engine company uh, in, in a busy urban department. How do you stay consistent? How do you train your people, you know, and how do you, uh, not only for uh, the the emergency operation, but even stuff in station, the admin and stuff like that, how do you stay consistent? What, what would you tell a new officer, a new uh, firefighter that's getting ready to get promoted to lieutenant, or if you don't have lieutenant, it's going to go move up to the captain level? What are some of the advices that you would give them to stay consistent and, and, uh, and how, and how is that, have you ever been challenged with that and how did you work through stuff like that? It's a, it's a very interesting question. Uh, for me, where we work, 
you know, you're, you're literally a fireman on a Friday and you're a captain on a Monday. There's, I mean, they, they, hopefully you, you worked with your captain and he showed you how to do all the paperwork properly, which pretty much every captain, you know, if, if I got a guy working on a company and he's working overtime and he's top five on the list, get in here, you're going to do my book work. Here's how you write the run, you know, things like that. So it does happen and it, it's good. It's like a rite of passage thing. So, you know, I learned from my captain before I got promoted how to do all stuff, but you know, the biggest, the, the biggest piece of advice I have, well, the, first off, the hardest part about being a company officer to me is maintaining that level of consistency, not only in a firehouse, but in, um, you know, when the, when the tones go off and you're in the rig too. So a couple of things that, that I do, and my first piece of advice I would give is to prepare to be tested. You're going to be tested. And if you walk in the back door to firehouse the first day and you're assigned to ladder one and you walk in thinking that's your company, you automatically made the gravest mistake there is because it's not your company. It's their company. You're working for them. And, and that's how it is. You know, it's cool. You're the boss or the company officer. And, and that's great. And whatever perk comes with that, like, you know, I have a very, very comfortable recliner in my office that I enjoy sitting in and watching the flyers. Um, it, it's a perk of the job. Uh, but past that, it's my men's company and I work for them. They don't work for me. It's, 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 I think that's one of the biggest things people get mistaken. You know, that they think they're a boss and you know, well, I'm a boss, I'm a boss. You are the boss. You're the boss in the right front seat and you're making decisions that affect everybody in that brick but you train everybody for game day when the tones drop ready to go. So your, your job is that much easier when you're, when you're making decisions and you know, the conversation can go 20 different ways from here. But I think that the, the main to, again, the hardest thing for me is, it, is being consistent because whatever's happening outside of my life. And you know, when I drive into work, I have to leave it at the door and I have to, you know, be the same person every day. Do I have a bad day? Sure. Do I have a great day? Yeah. I'm human beings. We all are. We all make mistakes, but you know, I try to be the same person every day. It's hard, but you know, I think, I think for the continuity of the company, I think that's what my guys that work for me deserve to have me to have me the same person all the time. So, you know, whatever's going on in their life or whatever, if they're having a bad day, at least they know what they're going to get out of me. If that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and it's funny that you, you had made the comment. I just jotted down a couple of notes. You know, when you walk in that back door, it's not your company, and those aren't your guys. Um, they you they are your guys, but you work for them. Everything you do is for them. And and I approach the same way. You know, when I walk in, sure, I'm the I'm the battalion chief for my battalion, and and I've got seventy some people that are that are underneath of me that I'm responsible for, but make no mistake, I'm working for you. If you have a problem, I'm there to help you. Um, if things go wrong, it's my fault and I will take care of it. If things go right, it's my job to make sure that you get that credit. You know, um, I think that's where a lot of bosses fail, where, the, where they get the, the collar pins and the white shirt and the white helmet and uh, they get a little bit of power and, and, and that ego, it goes right to their head and, and, and they think, you know, the, these are, uh, you know, I'm in charge and I make all the decisions and I do all this stuff. And it, at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself pretty lonely. Um, I remember as a young firefighter, I had a captain that was constantly uh, riding my ass about just dumb shit, you know, like, you know, you've you got the wrong kind of boots on, you're not allowed to wear that, or you shouldn't have that on. So I finally, you know, pulled him aside. And I said, look, let me tell you this. I can make you look good or I can make you look bad. Sure, I can make you look bad and I'll get in a little bit of trouble, but how much trouble are you going to get in when your shift's not performing? 
And uh, I think he took that to heart because he did he did a 180, you know, on his attitude. So I carry that with me as well. You know, I work for my guys and I'm proud to walk in there knowing that that I'm working for these guys and I'll do whatever I can to make sure that they have whatever they need so they can be successful. So I think that's a, a fantastic uh, lesson to get out to these these aspiring officers that, yeah, you may be in charge, but you are working for those guys. That's excellent advice. I, I think, too, it's, it's a twofold thing. I can honestly say I was not prepared for um, the administrative aspect of being a fire officer. I, I, I was ignorant to the fact of what really went into it. And, you know, I was very spoiled because I worked in a very busy company um, before I got promoted. I'm in a busy engine now, but I mean, we were busy for fires, runs, and, you know, everybody in that company wanted to be there, including the boss. So, you know, when I went to a different company and, you know, it was a bit of a reality check, slap in the face, some of the things that happened. I was like, oh shit, you know, I, I need to make a few adjustments here. And, you know, honestly, you can read all the leadership books in the world you want. There's, trust me, nowadays, there's a million of them from multiple aspects, from anywhere from the military to you can even t- hear what the, the Pope writes a book. You can go that, that way for leadership. You can go athletics, fire ground, law enforcement, whatever, CEOs. So, you know, you can learn different styles, but at the end of the day, you still got to find your own style. You got to find what's going to work for you. And just because, you know, maybe you had a mentor who was, who brought you up on the job. Well, what he did work for him. That might not work for you because the people are different. It's the personalities. And that's the, that's the hardest part learning everybody's personality in the firehouse learning, you know, what, 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 what their little idiosyncrasies are. But the best advice I got was from my captain. He said, sit the guys down day one and tell them what your pet peeves are. He's like, think about that. You ever had a boss tell you what they don't like? I'm like, that's a great idea. So I did that. I told him, I like, you know, this is what I expect every day. There, there's nothing like these aren't our minimum standards. These are the standards. Like we don't, I, and I work a 24 hour shift and I'm always like, you know, give me till lunchtime, you know, just give me a hundred percent till lunchtime. And after that, you know, the day is yours. Cause I got stuff that I got paperwork to, I got things to do, but you know, as a company, we're going to, we're really going to get it done in the morning, train, whatever, you know, clean. And just, it, it's hard. It's hard keeping that balance in the firehouse because it, it, it does fall on you as an officer too. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about fire. We haven't even talked about fires yet. <laughs> right. No, and and that's the funny thing is is you know in the fire service, uh, we don't prepare. You know, in my department, we go. You can go from you know fire one is when you're a recruit. You go to fire two, fire three. You're basically a driver. Then you can move up to technician, or you can skip right to lieutenant. Depends on where you fall on the list. Um, it's a hard transition going from back step to front seat. You know, from that fire three to that lieutenant. And uh, most of the lieutenants that are in my department, we call them float lieutenants. They're not really assigned to a station they're assigned to a battalion. So they kind of fill in. And uh, it's really hard to, you know, you say, find your place. I say, find your voice, you know, find who you are. Um, You can emulate good leaders that, that you, you know, really thought were good leaders. But like you said, it worked for them. It may not work for you. So you got to kind of find that happy medium. And and there are, like you said, there's so many leadership books out there, whether, you know, I I like looking at a lot of the military stuff and there's some fire stuff and CEOs and corporate stuff. 
all that stuff is good. And, and, and the more you read, the better. And what you'll find is that you start taking bits and pieces from each one that really resonate with you. And you'll know it when you see it. It'll resonate with you. And, and then you just start kind of adopting those traits. But the biggest thing is, is there's, there's like a top 10 leadership traits that people look for in a leader consistently. And, and like we, we had talked about, being consistent is, is one of the top three. You know, they want you to be competent and confident and, and, and consistent, humble, you know, ego in check, all that stuff. And as a new, you know, going from, I can't imagine what it'd be like going from captain, going from firefighter to captain uh, without having anything, without having that captain kind of taking you under their wing and showing you how to do payroll and showing you how to, you know, write, you know, discipline reports, which is like one of the hardest things that we do in the fire service is having to discipline somebody. Um, not able it's, to, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. If you know, if you know the progressive discipline module for your organization, discipline can be easy because you know how to, you know how to give it out. I, I guess I can say this. My first captain told me, Read them order books, read them order books, read them order books. He's like, no, I'm front and back, no, I'm front and back. He's like, because sometimes you might be in a situation where the people above you don't know the order books and you know them. And boy, has he been right so many times, well, so many times. That saves your people too, especially when, when the chief or the 100%. operations chief or whatever comes down, they're pissed off about something that happened. And you can say, whoa, 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 time out, time out. This is what they did. And according to the rules and regs, they followed that. You know, you may not like what they did, but they – they were within the scope of the rules, um, and sure. and that in itself gives credibility to your leadership when you stand up for your guys. And I told my guys, I'll stand up for you till the day is done if you're right. Um, if it's well, a gray, don't, don't if it's a gray don't area, don't position where I, right? If I can't defend you. Don't right. put me in that position, right? And I, even if it's you a know, gray like, area, I'll help you out. But if you're wrong, I'm going to tell you right away. Look, you're 100 percent wrong. Put your ego in check. Take your lumps. Um, I'll help you to make sure that you know you're not going to get treated unfairly. But uh, at the end of the day, a good leader is going to tell his people, don't put me in a position that I have to discipline you. You know, I, I, when I was a new lieutenant, I told one of my best friends who was a firefighter, you know, um, when I got promoted, I said, don't make me have to do my job. If you're my friend, you won't make me have to do my job. And he looked right in the face. He says, you know what, Dave, you're 100 percent right. <laughs> you know, so I, it's it, it's interesting, you know, and I've, I've I've written two firefighters up in my career and. They were both for uh, an attendance issue. It was an attendance problem. Right. And the other was the same thing. It was, it was two attendance issues. And it was, you know, I, they had to be formally put on paper and dock pay. And like, that was it. I, I try to leave anything at the lowest form ever, a company level discipline if it happens. But, you know, you're going to get tested. It depends how, you, how far you want to take it too. You know, you, you can let things slide. You can get you can almost guarantee when you jump up in that front seat that they're going to do something to mess with you, whether it's funny or not, whether you think it's funny or not. But you know they want to see how you're going to react, and they want to they want to feel you out. So you know if you if you if if you're ready to get felt out, it's kind of like the rite of passage. But it can it can be very good for both both parties, you know, the crew and the company officer. But you know I'm, I'm a big fan of. Let my men have their space. I'm not up in their space, although I do like cooking, so I will get in the rotation and cook. Uh, but you know, I eat, I do my dish in the dishwasher, and I'm in my office after lunch and dinner because I think that's the fireman's space. That's not my place anymore. I, I, I do like hanging out in the kitchen, but you know, I'll only hang out in short clips and I'm back in my office doing other things because 
you know, it, it's funny if, if, you, if you're married or, you know, you, you're with, you have a significant other, I guarantee the number one person in the world you bitch the most about is them. And probably when they're not around, and I think that's very healthy for a, a good, a good partnership or relationship. So I think it's healthy for your guys to talk shit about you or bitch about you when you're not around. I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. When, when, uh, one of, one of, one of our good friends, Frank Ritchie, uh, we do some stuff, you know, together with fire engineering and, and whatnot. He has a great quote that, uh, that I think is hilarious. And he says, you know, when you go and you do your rounds as a battalion chief, he says, don't overstay your welcome, know when to leave so they can talk about you. And, uh, sure. that, that's, uh, you know, th- those are true words. I, I tell my guys, I said, look, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my rounds. I hit all, all my stations. I'm responsible for seven stations. So I'm going to hit every station throughout the day. And I said, if you don't want me to stay, don't engage me in fireman shit because I'll sit down on a cup of coffee and we'll talk fireman stuff at the kitchen table until it's dinner time. So, um, you know, the guys, you know, take take that, you know, with a grain of salt. They, my guys are good. And, uh, you know, but it's the same way. They had their lineups in the morning. The station that I'm assigned to, you know, I'm in inside of a firehouse. Um, they have their lineup at seven o'clock in the morning. I send my morning paperwork out to everybody. Very rarely will I come out of my office and sit at their lineup because that's their time. And I don't want them to think that they're obligated yeah. to having to ask me, oh, chief, do you have anything you want to say? You know, my thing is like, I've already said what I had to say. I sent it to you in an email. Um, so I'm not going to encroach on your time. So I think that that's important. But on the flip side, believe it or not, you know, our, the guys want to see the bosses, um, and I've had this argument with our higher ups is that, uh, you know, I know you're stuck behind you. You tell me you're stuck behind your desk. You've got all these meetings, but at the end of the day, these guys would like to have some face time with the operations chief, with the battalion chief, with, you know, the duty chief or, or even the fire chief just to pop in and say, Hey guys, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, I heard you all had a good job the other day. Uh, heard you heard some good things, you know, even if it's for five minutes, they want face time with the bosses. So don't, Never neglect your guys, but also, like you said, give them, give them your space. And as an officer, you need to figure out what that fine balance is. I, I agree. I also think it's, uh, you know, you got you to gotta engage off duty also. I know it's been hard because of COVID, but, you know, pre-COVID, we, we, we did, um, there's, a, there's a sandwich place, Donkeys and Camden. It's the best. It's not a cheesesteak. Cheesesteak is on a long roll. This is, this is, a, it's, this is on a, a round roll, so it's, it's steak. And you can get onions without onions. That's the only thing they sell. They have a bar. So that he opens on Friday mornings for us uh, every Friday uh, at 6.30 a.m. He's got a bartender there. So, you know, they're, they're, we, we can usually leave work as a group and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pack 12, 15 guys there and just, yeah, you know, hang out, have a couple beers and sandwich in the morning. But that right there is an invaluable opportunity to not only have your people see you as an equal, but, you know, you can kind of gain their respect by just having a couple and leaving, throwing extra 20 bucks in the bar and getting out of there. You know, I, I the, the, the off duty, the off duty, whatever it is, go to a, go to a ball game, go, I don't know, something, do something together. I, I think, it, I think it's important for continuity. Yeah, I agree. We, we would do stuff. We go fishing or go golfing or stuff like that. Um, and it, it's good to have that, that off duty uh, camaraderie, especially as a shift, because it makes your shift a lot tighter. Um, and you'll find that your guys will, you know, the, the company pride will, you know, it instills a little bit of competition between the other shifts or the other battalions uh, to make yourself that much better. I find a tight knit shift is probably the best shift to 
work on the fire ground, to get stuff done in the station, have fewer attendance issues, have fewer just overall issues where you're going to find that you're not going to have to be dropping paperwork on people because people want that that camaraderie. And, and I think that off-duty stuff is good. Uh, unfortunately, you know, as a battalion chief, I can't spend a lot of time with, you know, with all my guys, but I definitely text a lot of the officers off-duty, you know, busting their balls and stuff like that. But um maintaining that good relationship regardless of what your rank is i think is important because like you said it lets your guys see that that you're all firefighters and you're all are equals they know you're the boss they know you outrank them but as a if you're a good leader you should never have to pull that card they know they just you're just one of it's it's hard to be one of the fellows as an officer but to, for them to see you as a human or as equal i think pays you know dividends in the long run and they're going to want to work for work hard for you and make you look good yeah there's there's no doubt about that and you know especially operationally speaking you know when you're trying to to build that that company uh up and you know have them train you know being a boss is just a term to me like i i i don't really give many orders other than you know hey like i think we should pull this line or you know well i'll even you know give the awesome like we we can have a three second conversation if you want, like, you know, I, I think we should go 200 foot. Oh yeah, me too. Okay, good. We, we're on the same page then. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I've never, I've always thought that was weird that, you know, people, officers have found that to be, you know, uh, uncomfortable, but you know, maybe you're overlooking something that they're not, but you know, leading and being a boss are two different things. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in your career where uh, I, I work with a lot of great leaders and they're all, some of them are the rank of firefighter. So, you know, it, 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 leadership is, it, it, isn't just a rank. It, 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 it's, it's a, it's a, you know, personality and, uh, you know, how you are and how you, how you conduct yourself and carry yourself. And I see it a lot, you know, there's, there, there, they are there. I work with guys that, you know, firefighters, I, I would absolutely trust doing my job and they could probably do it better. You know, it's just, it's just how it is. And it doesn't matter if you have gold collar pens or not. Um, you have good leaders out there, like you said, that are firefighters. And those are the kind of – you need to encourage that. As a captain and you have a good fire – a strong firefighter, you need to encourage that. Give them some responsibility. Hey, you're going to be given the next uh, drill on, on the set of irons. Uh, it's got to be at least an hour. I don't care if it's PowerPoint, but uh, you got a week to put it together. So this is when you're going to deliver it. You empower you, those people. And they're going to deliver a good product. And I've said this time over and over and over again. It comes up on my podcast a lot is you need to empower your people because one day you're not going to be there. And, and my responsibility is to train the next person to take my job. Um, I see it too often where you'll get an officer, you know, they'll make a rank and they want to put their arms around and say, this is mine. I got mine and not let anybody else in. And, uh, you know, eventually you're going to be gone. And if you're not training that person to do your job, to make them better, you're doing the fire service a disservice uh, in general. So, yeah, you, you need to – just because you don't have, you know, the white helmet doesn't mean that you're not a leader. It, it, that's – like you said, it's a, it's a state of mind. A lot of people exude those um, attributes of leadership, and they're not officers at all. That's not what it's all about. What it's all about is is being able to recognize that and then foster it and, and then hopefully build your people up. So um, that's, uh, you know – that that to me is what leadership's all about, and and, and you know again you, you talk about a secession plan. You know when you leave, who's going to be taking your spot, and are they ready to take that spot? So what do you do? You know we're we're, we're coming down to the witching hour. We got about ten or fifteen minutes left. 
what do you do to build your guys up to, to, to set them up for the next level? What have you learned and what did you pass on to them? And what would you tell my audience, you know, in order to, to take that next step, whether it be a lieutenant or a captain, what are some of the things they need to look out for? What would you tell them? Well, first off, the, the best advice I give any, anybody, any company officer, any aspiring company officer for training is just because you, you're excited about it doesn't mean everybody else can be excited about it. And people can only retain so much information, but you want to train your firefighters to operate when you're not there, when you're off, when you're on vacation and there's a fire, you want to get the text message or phone call that they did a fantastic job. That's, that's all you need to know about your training. That's, that's where you should keep it focused. But, you know, if you're getting ready to step up that or thinking about it, or you're on the list, you know, I think it's a gut check moment. You know, self-reflection is huge, but I really think you need to be honest with yourself operational-wise, firefighting-wise. You know, are you ready? Are you ready for Anything that can be thrown at you, first do. You got to make a decision. And I'm saying, I'm saying, first do. There's no chief round, and you got to make that call. And I'm not talking just fires. I'm talking gas leaks, any emergency you can go to. Or do you have the information? If not, you should get the information. Or you know, I'm not saying don't don't take promotion because you've never been to a rail incident. But you know, maybe maybe that's something you throw in a little extra. So you know, you're not sure about, and maybe you guys can learn it together. There's nothing wrong with learning stuff together. It's uh, you know, I, people are probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but, you know, we don't do any EMS in my fire department at all, nothing, zero. Um, and we, we, for the year before COVID, we started uh, doing um, this pit crew CPR. We're gonna, so it actually has a great save rate. So, you know, you get called out and you're on, you're on location for 20 minutes doing CPR. The intervals, everybody's rotating. So the engines were getting called out to it. And I got to be honest with you, from doing EMS for so many years, I was like, man, these guys are going to hate it. They loved it. They loved it. They learned something new. And we were actually getting the feedback where, you know, we, you know, we, we, these guys were having saves. And I went into the whole thing with this negative mindset because I worked EMS and I kind of like, I kind of rubbed off my guys, like saying it's going to suck, yada, yada, yada. And they actually enjoyed it. And I was like, man, I kind of approached that the wrong way. I should have just been like, all right, let's open mind. Let's see, let's see how it is, you know? So whatever comes down from the ivory tower, be open-minded about it and, you know, just, just set yourself up for success. You can, you can also, you know, lead by example. And I lead by example is, you know, I'm the first one in the firehouse. I'm there at roll calls at seven. I'm there at quarter after six. My gear's in the rig. My air pack's checked. If you really want to mess with your guys, young guys, take something off the rig and hide it in your office and see if they catch it during their check. It's, it's, it's a, it can be something small like a gated wire, or, uh, you know, your thermal imaging battery or whatever do something small that it's not going to kill you if you forget about there's a fire, but it's stuff like that. There's little nuances like that, that really build a company up in my opinion anyway. Yeah. And that's all good advice. You know, we, we, we are a combination and we do EMS and fire, you know, we run ambulances and medic units out of our station. <clears throat> it's a County department. So we do all that. We've been doing the, the, the pit crew CPR as well. We call it high performance CPR, but it's the same thing. You know, you get, they're on the scene for 20 minutes. And, well, my guys are. I don't run those calls, but they're on the scene for, for 20 minutes, and um, they continually do CPR, and they rotate through. And, and uh, yeah, where the rubber meets the road, that, that's that's 80% of the calls that we run, you know, are EMS. So, yeah, you can't – you can't – you have to put your personal feelings aside about something and, uh, you know, say, hey, guys, this is what came down. This is what we're going to do. We have uh, we've had some new policies come down, and, and I that our guys don't like, <clears throat> and they come to me, 
And they'll ask me, say, Chief, what do you think about this? And I tell them, I say, what I think about it is irrelevant. I said, but this is what the policy says, and we're going to do it to the best of our ability um, and try not to focus a negative attention to it. Um, and hopefully they can keep an open mind about it. And at the end of the day, if I don't agree with it, I have my avenues that I can uh, send my, my disagreements up the chain of command. But one of the things that I tell uh, officers, you know, when you get into a situation where you are now the officer, you're in charge of the station, the number one rule is you never bitch down. Never bitch to your people. Never let them know no. that something upsets you. You bitch up. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But the moment you start, you know, like you said, somebody looks at a video, Monday morning quarterback, something, and they talk about, oh, that group sucked, and they don't know what they're doing. They're not firemen. You weren't there, you know, and, and, and you can't pro project that negativity out there because you weren't there. It's the same thing in the station. You can't say something negative about something that comes down and you start bitching to your people. Because even though you might feel like one of the guys at first, the more you do it, the more your people are going to say, man, all the captain does is just complain about stuff. We don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about good stuff. I mean, look at COVID as, as the example, right? I mean, I guarantee our COVID policy is probably totally different than yours. Like nobody's mirrored has a COVID policy. It's all different, you know, and everybody was just shooting from the hip. And I, to be honest with you, when, when it was all in the thick of it, you know, not, you know, late summer, early fall, when, you know, guys were testing positive and just like, it was different rules. It, it, it was, it was frustrating. I, I was, I was getting very frustrated because you're like, yeah, what's going on here? You know, because this group, they do it this way. We do it this way. But like we need something. And the policy has it, the COVID policy is ever changing. We're on like, you know, number six of the COVID policy because, you know, the, the CDC, you know, the, the, the guidelines are different and masks and, and all stuff. So it, it's, it's one of the things where if you can deal and, and work through the problem on the fly and just still maintain, you know, your level of what you got to do and just always worry about your company. Who cares anybody else is doing? So if you're engine one, I'm engine one. I worry about engine one. I'm in a double fire. I'm in a fire to the truck. They're my boys, but I worry about engine one. So we're going to make sure we're doing our, our, our due diligence. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to roll with the punches. You have to. It's part of the job. Yeah, and, and and COVID was that was that strange thing. You know, we were we were changing, we were moving the goalposts. You know, back and forth. You know, because we were trying to play off of, you know, what followed the science, and it kept changing because they didn't know. <clears throat> and then we finally settled in, and we have our policy, and it's and it's basically still in effect. Um, so we had one way of doing it. A lot of people were like, "This is overkill. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't be doing this." At the end of the day, I said, this is what came down from the chief. This is what we're going to do, and I expect you to follow it 100%. If I don't agree with it, I can go to my boss and just say, hey, look, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. Here's what we're bumping up against. And then maybe we can affect change that way. But, you know, you have to take what is being handed down. The time to bitch and complain is not after the policy has been made. It's prior to. And, again, you can't just – you know, sit there and sit at the coffee table and be negative about it. Like you said in the very beginning of the show, you know, all the negativity that's out there, you got to be positive. Hands down, this is the best job in the world. I don't care what anybody says. You know, what we do, you know, we may not get paid a lot of money for what we do, but that's not why we're in it. We were never in it to make a million dollars. We were in it because this is the calling. We have that type A personality. So I show up for work every day. And even though I'm not riding the fire engine anymore, um, I, I enjoy going to calls, watching my guys. It's to the point where I don't have to say anything on the radio when I roll up except that I'm taking command. 
I don't have to tell my guys, hey, when you get up to the fire floor, I need you to make sure you advance a line. I need you to, uh, you know, confine the fire to the area of origin and then go ahead and extinguish it. Make sure you pull seals and get a good search done. I don't say any of that yeah. on the radio, even though my policy says I'm supposed to embed objectives to my guys when we're on the fire ground. My battalion, those guys know what they're doing. It would be an insult if I told them to do that stuff because some of those guys would challenge me. They'd come to the command post and like, no shit, we know our job. You don't have to tell us what we're doing. I don't tell you how to write shit down on your chart. Don't tell me how to pull a line. And it's it's 100% true. So when your guys are good and they you respect them and, and they respect you, very little communication on the radio. You may have to offer a little correction here or there. If something's deviating from the policy, obviously you got to communicate that, but you shouldn't have to tell your people what to do if you have been an effective leader all along and you put your expectations out there. Well, a hundred percent. And, you know, at the company level, company officer level, you know, especially I hate the radio. I'm not a radio guy. And I know that's okay for me to say, I actually just, was told yesterday I got to stop saying that to people because they, anyway, um, you know, I'm all about just letting performance speak for itself. Like, you know, but as a new, as a new officer, you shouldn't expect the chief to, to have that comfortability with you right away. You got to, you have to build that over time with it. And it, you know, you got to go to multiple emergencies, you know, it might take six months for him to be, and you know, as a chief, you know, it might take six months for you to have that comfortability where, all right, he's cool. I don't have to just, you know, prompt him this, you know, and, and if you're, you are getting prompted by the chief, you know, if you think it's excessive, pull him aside and say something. Don't face to face. Don't do it in front of anybody. Do it in an office. Shut the door and say, and he might have to, there might be a whole message to his manager. You don't even know. Don't ever take it personal, ever. Yeah, exactly. And I've told my guys, I said, look, if you give me feedback, if you give me information about what's going on inside, that's going to make me feel comfortable in my car. And I'm not going to have to ask you what's going on. So just keep that in mind. If I call back and say, hey, give me an LCAN, that means that I haven't heard from you in, in, in three or four minutes. You know, it's, it's a, a 900 square foot house. You should have had a line in the bedroom by now. I don't see conversion. What's going on? And you come back. Oh, yeah, we got hoarding conditions. That's shit that I need to know. You know, because now I can help you with that. So uh, my guys are good, and and, and I'm, I'm like you. I don't like to talk on the radio a lot. Um, the first five minutes, <clears throat> setting up my groups and divisions after that, you, the, the guys are working. It should be on autopilot. Unless something's out of the ordinary, you know, you, you shouldn't have to spoon-feed your guys if you have trained them correctly and you have laid out your expectations long before that call ever came in. Indeed. It's, it's very true. I mean, and again, it's, we've said the word training like a thousand times tonight and you know, your, your training is what you make of it. And it can simply be, you got to think like how many, what's the module in fire one for communication? There isn't one, right? you know, so you, you, you got to take these young kids who are coming in your company's young job and, you know, stop breaking their balls about being a millennial. You can obviously one or two jokes, but you know, show them how to use a portable radio properly. Show them what the channels are. Show them every little aspect of the jobs when you're like, yo, go to channel two. They know what channel two is. Or, you know, hey, turn, turn your portable down. Or, hey, my, 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 my uh, I don't, I forgot a flashlight. There's a little flashlight on, you know, on the mic. Things like that. I don't know. It's just, if you show these guys everything, every little nuance of the job, you're not only making yourself better, but you're making your entire company better. I agree 100%. Well, Bobby, we're at that time, and, and uh, I'm going to have you right, back on, on the show again because, again, I like talking training, and I like talking you know, tactics and strategies and stuff like that. So I'm definitely going to have you on the show again, and 
we'll go off into another direction. Um, maybe we'll tell a little bit of war stories. I'm sure where you are, you've got some better war stories than I do. <clears throat> but, but, um, How about that? I truly appreciate you being on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, I look forward to, you know, when we get to cross paths and I got to see my boy RJ, uh, you know, when, once we get these, these, uh, symposiums and classes and everything back up and running again, I'm sure we'll, we'll cross paths and, uh, I look forward to that. So yeah, again, when the world opens, absolutely yeah, beers on me, man. Absolutely. So again, Bobby, thank you for coming on the show. I truly appreciate it. Give you the last word. You got it, brother. Oh, no, just, you know, please, uh, just if, if, don't ever hesitate to, to, to phone a friend. Uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, you got a question, ask somebody. Seriously, the, 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 there's no wrong answer, you know, and you just might be confused. And if you're jumping in that spot as a company officer, just maybe talking to somebody can really just guide you in a direction where maybe you need to go. And it, that might even be the senior man in your company. You never know. So that's it. Excellent advice. Bobby, again, thanks for being on the show, and I'll see you on the road somewhere. No All right, brother. Be good. You too.